Welcome to Chapter 5 on this audio series on solving problems with technology. I'm your host, Toby, for this chapter on building empathy. In this chapter, we're going to be talking about building empathy. In this context, empathy for us means two things. First, it means caring about our users. Respecting their time and caring about their experience when using technology. Secondly, it means understanding what they're trying to achieve. Developing a deep level of care and understanding for users is an important step towards getting great outcomes with technology. That's why we believe that field research is one of the most important parts of the process when designing technology solutions. Field research and design thinking are increasingly popular. Many of us have been to ideation workshops filled with post-it notes and random anecdotes that don't actually solve a real problem. So how do you move beyond whiteboards and workshops and get to real insights about users? And at the same time, how can you employ these techniques to better understand your teammates and even yourself? It's worth noting that if you don't use these techniques correctly, you could end up solving problems that don't exist, or very elegantly solving the wrong problem. In this chapter, we're going to cover three different research methods that we like to use. Immersion, observation, and engagement. There are many, many more, but these are the ones that we tend to get the most value from. In some situations, we might use only one, but more often, we'll try and use all three. So first, let's talk about immersion. This means walking in someone else's shoes, literally living their life for a period of time to try and understand how they think, feel, and act. This can help you generate insights that will shape the core intentions of a piece of work. Let me give you an example. When I was working on a project in Japan, I wanted to understand how people use their devices on commutes. I'd heard from other people that train stations are insanely busy at rush hour, but I wanted to experience it for myself. So I intentionally chose to commute across Tokyo from the busiest station at rush hour. In doing so, I gained a personal relationship to what it would be like for people who do this every day. That experience gave me so many great insights. As I discovered for myself, at rush hour in Tokyo, you could use headphones or answer a message on your phone. But for example, it would be hard to pull out a laptop and work on a document. Now think about technology. What experiences have left you with an emotion that you can still remember and feel? Maybe how terrible it felt losing that document when your computer crashed, or the emotion you felt connecting with an old friend over a video call. Experiencing something yourself is far more powerful than being told something. Those experiences can help inform the intentions for a project. So whatever you're working on, we believe in getting out and trying to be the user where possible. In the area that you're working in, it's almost always possible to put yourself in a situation that is similar to what users are experiencing, even if it's just for a few minutes. For example, if you physically can't catch a train to experience a busy commute, you could try riding on a bus instead. If it's not busy enough, possibly standing up even if there are free seats, whatever will get you closest to the experience. By walking in someone else's shoes, you're able to approach a user problem with a new lens 
and have greater depth of insight as to what might solve it. So that was immersion. Now let's talk about another method, observation. For us, observation means watching how people behave in certain situations, such as at home or at work, so that we can get insights about the kinds of problems they experience and how we can alleviate them. Observation can sometimes be used as a substitute for immersion, but ideally, we'll do this as well as immersion. Sometimes, immersion isn't possible because directly experiencing a scenario can require specialist knowledge or qualifications. For example, it's simply not possible to get experience as a surgeon. In these situations, we shadow potential users and document their processes and workflows. Observation is a great tool because the way people interact with their environment is insight-rich. Often people are so used to doing things a certain way, they don't recognise its importance, or they omit to mention certain details even if you ask them. When conducting an observation, we use a few different tools to help capture and organise our insights. Here are two that we like to use. The first is called behavioural mapping, or the what, how, why framework. When we're observing someone, we capture notes in three sections. What someone is doing in that particular situation, noting the obvious as well as the surprising. We observe how someone is performing in a given situation, including the emotional state at each step. And we make informed judgments about why someone is doing what they're doing in terms of motivations and emotions. For example, let's say we're watching someone browsing through Netflix. What? They are scrolling through content looking for something to watch. How? They aren't settling on anything. Occasionally, they start a show but exit out within five minutes. Why? They can't decide what to watch. They don't want to have to decide. There's so much content it's overwhelming. Browsing is as entertaining as watching. Once you've observed all the workflows you need to observe, a helpful way to bring your insights to life is through a customer journey map. A customer journey is a simple document that tells a concrete story of a particular user conducting a particular workflow. We combine interesting elements from multiple observations to make one single reference to understand real-world scenarios without the entire team having to experience or observe it themselves. So that was observation. Another method we use is engagement. Essentially, this means asking people questions to try and get to the bottom of the problem we're trying to solve. Sometimes it isn't possible to immerse ourselves in experiences or to observe others. In these situations, we talk to people who live and breathe the scenarios we're working to understand. There are a few different methods we use to get insights through engagement. Here are two that we're keen on. First, in-depth interviews. Interviewing someone face-to-face can reveal emotion and motivation, as well as details about how users approach their work. We employ a range of techniques to expose concrete insights and pain points, and honestly, interviewing for insights is a bit of an art form and takes practice. Here are some simple tips to help you get started. Refer to exact times and specific examples, like asking, what did you do last Tuesday, as opposed to, what does your typical workday look like? This will prevent your interviewee from cherry-picking or providing idealised versions of events. Avoid leading questions. For instance, asking someone, 
So you enjoy shopping for shoes, right? Will skew towards a positive answer. Whereas, how do you feel about shopping for shoes does not. Be aware of creating safety and hierarchy in the room. Be aware of the social construct of the interview. For example, many people will defer to their boss or supervisor's view of how they want things to appear, not how they actually are. Creating a space and building the rapport necessary to get honest answers is critical to getting real insights. If we need a broader data set, we might also conduct a written survey, which can be useful in testing hypotheses and assumptions, especially with larger groups. But this should only be used as well as in-person interviews, as there are many pitfalls. Focus groups also work well. Bringing together several users for a focus group can result in discussion that exposes their thoughts or feelings in a different way than one-on-one interviews. That can sometimes lend group confidence to exposing problems. But again, focus groups shouldn't replace one-on-one sessions. You need to be conscious of controlling groupthink or social hierarchies, which can skew the conversation and the insights. So, those are our three main techniques for building empathy and knowledge of a subject area. Immersion, observation, and engagement. When using any of these techniques, it's important to consider the types of users you're selecting and include those who aren't typical users. For example, picking the oldest and youngest person, people with different upbringings, or frequent and infrequent users will provide a range of insights. You can also apply these same techniques to your team and to yourself to help you understand how you and those around you do your job and insights that could optimize that. And on the subject of you, it's important to remember that your own worldview and built-in biases can obscure user insights. The goal of using these techniques is to draw out the most unfiltered insights and ensure our own preconceived ideas don't get in the way. Developing care and understanding for users is an important step towards delivering genuinely useful technology solutions. By understanding users, we're empowered to anticipate what will be intuitive to them. By caring for users, we do what's right for them, even when it's harder for us. So that was chapter five on empathy. We've only really scratched the surface here. For more detail on the ideas we've discussed and for additional resources to help you build empathy, check out our chapter notes.